0: A reading from the book of Exodus. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the, on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the inequity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien, res- alien resident of your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Now from the letter of 2 John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I was overjoyed to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we have been commanded by the Father. But now, dear lady, I ask you, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. Let us love one another and this love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard it from the beginning, you must walk in it. Many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Be on your guard so that you do not lose what we have worked for, but may receive a full reward. Everyone who does not abide in the teaching of Christ, but goes beyond it, does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Do not receive into the house or welcome anyone who comes to you and does not bring this teaching. For to welcome is to participate in the evil deeds of such a person. Although I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister send you their greetings.
1: The word of the Lord. I was thinking about, so what can I preach that could be a series? And how can we learn together maybe an obscure book in scripture? So I was thinking about Nahum, the prophet Nahum in the Old Testament, or maybe Obadiah, something like that. But you all know that my favorite prophet is Habakkuk, and I preached that, what, two years ago. So I said, no, we won't do the Old Testament prophets. Let's go to 2 John. I've never preached or taught a Bible study on 2 John, so I said, let's do 2 John. And why not throw in 3 John there as well? And 2 John and Third John, like 1 John, like the Gospel according to John, is is about love. But Second John and Third John uses the word commandments all the time, commandments, commandments. Love connected to commandments. So why not the 10 commandments and throw that in there as well? Because the 10 commandments, together with the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer are so important, let's go at it. This past year, we spent a considerable time as a congregation, uh, we three pastors and you all in Bible study groups, we studied the Apostles' Creed. I think it was a 10 part or 12 parts or so. And I learned from our from our creative design specialist, Adrian Narlock. I had him do some research of, of years uh, going way back even before I arrived here. And I think that there was a Bible study once upon a time that you all did on Matthew. The Gospel according to Matthew. And that's where the Lord's Prayer is in Matthew chapter 6. So... Lord's Prayer's been covered, Apostle's Creed's been covered, let's do a little Ten Commandments. So I logged into my now uh, defunct Yahoo account. Remember Yahoo, like AOL? Yahoo and AOL and Hotmail and all that. And So I looked at my Yahoo account because I had preached on the Ten Commandments in my former church in New Jersey, way back when. I wanted to say, I wanted to learn what I actually said. And I looked at the sermons and it was in 12 parts. It was like part one of 12, part two of 12, like, no, 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 no. That doesn't work. And like what I said there, while true, it was just too much. For a summer, from a a summer series, let's just do it in two 20-minute sermons. Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed, historically have been regarded and called the rule of faith or in Latin, the regula fidei. Going back to the first century church, all those who were baptized, all the kids, all the adults, they were taught at least three things that they had to memorize, they had to understand, and eventually they had to recite. They had to understand and recite the Apostles' Creed because the Apostles' Creed laid out in nice three paragraphs here, here is God, Here's Jesus, here's the Holy Spirit, here's who we are. It's a gospel in a nutshell. The gospel is a person, right? It's the living God. The Lord's Prayer teaches children and adults the language of love. This is how we communicate to God. These are the words that Jesus uh, taught us how to pray. And when he says, our Father, he's saying it because he's praying it with us, our Father who art in heaven. So we got those two. But then the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is the ethics of love. This is how we live out what we confess. This is what we live out in confessing the Apostles' Creed. This is what we live out when we pray the Lord's Prayer. And so for today and for next week, we'll be looking at the Ten Commandments, how vitally important the Ten Commandments are for our life, for our faith, for the church, indeed for all of humanity. Let us look to the Lord in prayer. Father, May the words of my mouth and meditations and thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. For it is in Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. So the Ten Commandments. Commandments, instructions. Yesterday's news, whether in the written newspaper or online news, there was this headline, or maybe page one or page two, the new leader of the British House of Commons. So the second in command to Prime Minister Boris Johnson. right? When the Prime Minister is not on the floor of the House of Commons, he delegates or she delegates it to the leader of the House of Commons. So the new leader of the British House of Commons by the name of Jacob Rees Mogg. When he ascended to that office of second in command, he issued a memo, a directive, a commandment to his staff that made news and here's why. His memo was instructing his staff to do certain things. For instance, make sure that when you write a letter or type an email to use two spaces after a period. Now how many of you do that? Two spaces after a period, okay? He also instructed his staff not to use these words. Don't use the word very or got, or ongoing. And he said, stay away from the phrase, I am pleased to learn. It caught social media by wildfire. It was going by the millions. It retweeted and retweeted on Facebook and and in the newspapers. But when we think about that, right? Instructions, commandments, ordinances, it's not a glamorous term, it isn't, right? If you uh, received my Friday e-blast, I put a comic strip of Dennis the Menace as he's kneeling down at the side of his bed and uh, confessing to the Lord that he only broke three and a half commandments of the 10. And we, like, like the social media storm for this British House of Commons officer, we have to inject a little bit of levity when we talk about the commandments it 's not instagram worthy to think about thunder and lightning and to think about commandments and instructions, notwithstanding mel brooks 's you know comical rendition of this in the 1980s of receiving three stone tablets and dropping one and saying, "Oh, well, I guess we have two there 's something about the ten commandments the, the quality of it that is almost like a Debbie Downer that enters a wedding reception and says, thou shalt not, or thou shalt. I mean, think about those times when you and I were on the receiving end of our parents or grandparents or even the librarian. Shh. Right? Shh. Instructions and commandments, we just cringe at those things. We don't want to deal with commandments. Consider this recent survey. 14% of Americans can name the Ten Commandments. I won't ask you all to recite the Ten Commandments. That's not what we're going to do here. But by comparison, 25% of Americans could name all seven ingredients to the Big Mac. Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and an egg. Sesame seed bun, yes. 75% of Americans can name all three of the three Stooges. Moe, Curly, Larry, and after Larry, Shemp, right? Or more than 33% of Americans, you know, can name all six children of the Brady Bunch. But yet, the Ten Commandments only gets 14, if that, percent. What is it about the Ten Commandments? Those Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 is is recited again in Deuteronomy. As Ross read to us, the Ten Commandments unfold in Exodus chapter 20 by introducing God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Exodus chapter 20 opens up in a a usual framework of what's called the suzerainty treaties, a suzerainty treaty. This was a Near Eastern form of policy that a king or that a ruling monarch made with his vassal. And that the ruling sovereign would say to his vassals and the land that the vassal lived on, you will receive my protection. You will receive my favor if you do ABC, XYZ. These benefits will accrue to you and your family if you do these things. If you don't do these things, there are consequences. ABC, XYZ. Those suzerainty treaties always opened up with an introduction of the one who was making the treaty. Exodus chapter 20 begins with that framework, the introduction of the living God, the one who says through Moses, I am the Lord your God who freed you from Egypt out of the house of bondage, and then follows then those Ten Commandments, which by the way, if you look in the English translations, it says Commandments. And in every English translation that uses either commandments or its synonym testimonies or ordinances, there's always a footnote. And the footnote says words. Because the original Hebrew word is words. God gave to Moses ten words. And when rendered in Greek, it's it's decalogue, ten words. Okay, so God gave these ten commandments or ten words to Israel in order to provide some instructions. Now, theologian Kevin DeYoung of our day poignantly asked, have you ever thought about how much better life would be if everyone kept the Ten Commandments? Can you imagine what life would be like? What our homes, what our relationships, what our worship life, what our nation would be like, what the world would be like, what our communities would be like if the Ten Commandments were lived out. Now as the Ten Commandments are are laid out some have said said that the Ten Commandments can be understood in one of two ways. One way some say is that the first commandment is the way to go and all Commandments 2 through 10 follow after that. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, therefore dictates Commandments 2 through 10 because if you have no other gods but the living God, the God revealed in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then all the others you will follow obediently, faithfully, and consistently. Or some have said, we can divide the Ten Commandments in two parts. Commandments 1 through 4 as our vertical relationship, our vertical obligation and duty and commitment to God. And then Commandments 5 through 10 as the horizontal Commitments and obligations and duty, that which we owe to one another. Commandments 1 through 4, more of this human-divine relationship of you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto you any graven image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then next week we'll be looking at Commandments 5 through 10 of all the others, of how we are to relate one to another. And that's the way that that we're going to look at these commandments today and, and next week. The implication of the Ten Commandments are clear. In order for us to live out what it means to be children of God, in order for Israel to live out what it means to be a freed people, redeemed by God, pursued by God's love, we are to live in this way. Now, in other places in the Old Testament, the scriptures will talk about, be holy for I am holy that apart from the Ten Commandments, we can't fully understand God, we can't fully understand one another, we can't fully understand the point of life, we can't fully understand our salvation, we can't fully understand why we're here. Far from the Ten Commandments being a burdensome obligation and duty that sort of wipes out any joy in our lives, quite the opposite, the Ten Commandments are intended for us to understand our Creator, the source of life the source of love, the source of all joy. So we all know that, right? That's built into our DNA. That's built into our hearts. We know it intellectually. We want to nurture our children, right, in the ways of those Ten Commandments. But yet, all of us, without exception, find it hard. History shows that it was a failed project. It was a failed project because we don't follow it consistently. We don't follow it faithfully. And why is that? Five years ago, Lex Bayer, an executive at Airbnb, partnered with John Figdor, a humanist chaplain at Stanford University. They wanted to take a poll of students and residents in Palo Alto Because they wanted to develop, as they were committed atheists, what they called the Ten Non-Commandments, as an alternative to the Ten Commandments. And here are, based on that poll of of thousands who responded to their survey, this is the Ten Non-Commandments that they developed. Non-Commandment number one, be open-minded and be willing to alter your beliefs with new evidence. Non-Commandment number two, strive to understand what is most likely to be true not to believe what you wish to be true non-commandment number three the scientific method is the most reliable way of understanding the natural world non-commandment number four every person has a right to control of their body non-commandment number five God is not necessary to be a good person or to live a full and meaningful life non-commandment number six be mindful of the consequences of all your actions and recognize that you must take responsibility for them. Non-commandment number seven, treat others as you would want them to treat you and and can reasonably expect them to want to be treated. Think about their perspective. Non-commandment number eight, we have the responsibility to consider others, including future generations. Non-commandment number nine, there is no one right way to live. Non-commandment number 10, leave the world a better place than you found it. Sounds good. I agree with many of those. And I think there were nodding of heads, isn't it? Some of the Boy Scout ideals have some of those. Some of the Hallmark cards have some of those. Who wouldn't want to care for future generations? Who wouldn't want to care about the environment? I do. As you do. But here's the heart issue because what is at the core of this effort of these ten non-commandments? Two things. One is, is to place individuals in, in places of authority as ones that we will only de- we will decide. We will decide how to live. We will decide how to love. We will decide how to serve. Now we know. Knowing my heart, knowing your heart. That's not a good place to be. Because if we were to just build our authority and our decision-making solely on me, on me alone, we're in trouble. Feelings go. Sometimes someone's feelings can be based on medication or self-medication, based on illusion and delusion. And so that's not the way to go. But the other problem is, of these 10 non commandments is that it perhaps places the, author- the authority in groups. Maybe groups will decide. Maybe the way to go is through like Wikipedia, where we will, we will edit one another and see based on the group sourcing, based on the crowd deciding what is best. But there's a problem with that too. A few years ago, the British government, I don't know why my examples are from the UK, but in any case, the British government had wanted to name a $287 million research vessel. So in order to do this, they, took, they wanted to do a, another poll, right? They put on the radio and so forth to submit names, people to call in names, submit names, and the hope was that maybe folks will name it like Falcon, or Endeavor, right? Those are the names of ships. Well, what was the result? Crowdsourcing it, the thousands who submitted names, the consensus was Bodhi McBoatface. B O A T I E, like a boat. Bodhi McBoatface. Now, can you imagine having one of Her Majesty's vessels? as Bodie McBoatface and so the British government didn't accept that and so they they settled on Sir David Attenborough okay see putting things in a group doesn't cut it because it's just multiplying the number of individuals who are already you know defective so whether you have one individual or 10 or a thousand or a million it just doesn't cut it so the hard issue is is that we somehow we somehow want to explain away the existence of God or the non-existence absence of God. And that's where Second John comes in. See, Second John, like first John and like third John next week we're going to find. These letters were written to address a pernicious heresy that was proliferating in the early church. And what was that pernicious heresy? Second John identifies it as calls the antichristos. The antichrists have gone out into the world teaching that Jesus has not come in the flesh. Well, now there's a problem there. Because if Jesus didn't come in the flesh, so goes this heresy. By the way, the heresy is called docetism. It comes from the Greek doceo, which means to appear or to seem. Docetism was built upon this, this false notion that that man, Jesus, who was hanging on the cross, it only appeared or seemed to appear that that was the Son of God hanging on there. That it could not have been that it's an impossibility that, that the human Jesus, the one who, who washed the disciples' feet, the one who who hung out with sinners and multiplied loaves and fishes, they say it's an impossibility. God would not do that. And so that only the appearance or a figment of his, of his figure was hanging there, that Jesus the Christ was somehow somewhere. The early disciples were, of course, understandably concerned because if Jesus did not come in the flesh, It puts into question many things. It puts into question the eyewitness accounts, including Mary, mother of Jesus. It puts into question the very notion of the Scripture saying, the Apostle John and others saying that that man Jesus, whom we hung out with, was on that cross. So it calls them liars. It calls Jesus himself a liar. It calls God himself a liar. And it then puts all of us in jeopardy. So how does this connect with the commandments? You're wondering, how does then this have to do, and why are they talking about the commandments and following the commandments, and so on and so forth? Because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the commandments. Imagine this. You as a parent issuing orders from behind a wall, and your children or grandchildren, nieces or nephews, never see you. They just hear a voice. Do this. Come home early at 10 p.m. after you hang out with your friends and come home. Do your homework. But they never see you. They're going to trust. If someone peeks around the wall, yeah, your mom or dad are there, trust me. Okay, that will go on for maybe a few months, maybe a few years. But our human hearts want some authentication that there's something to that word. There's something loving about it. There's something that causes us, yes, to to commit to it, to be obedient to it. But we want proof positive that if we fail at it, that this same God who we hear on the other side of the wall is still for us, is still loving us, and not just issuing orders. And so Jesus Christ is indeed both the substance of the commandments and the fulfillment of the commandments as he himself subjected himself to those same commandments. I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He himself, as a Jewish-Palestinian young adult growing up in the synagogue, teaching the commandments, follow the commandments. And so, Jesus is the very fleshly embodiment of those commandments. And to disregard the commandments is to disregard Jesus himself. That's why 1 John and 2 John and 3 John next week goes at great pain to say we must follow the commandments as proof positive of our love for God. This is not to say in a legalistic way by doing three and a half of those commandments, well, God loves me maybe less than. No, it is actually saying that by following the commandments, We've internalized the character of God. See, at the heart of the commandments, the commandments are in fact a love letter from God to us. Those 10 words, those 10 commandments come from the very character of God. It shows what God cares about, right? The 10 commandments shows what God cares about. What does he care about? Well, he cares about himself, right? To be glorified and worship and honored. He cares about thou shalt have no other gods before me that you won't fall to any other idols any other gods but himself because he's a source of life he's a source of meaning the source of joy for you for yourself for your family for your future for your past wounds for this world god cares that we would rest because he himself rested that's why he says honor the sabbath now granted sunday Or even Saturday is a difficult time for many to commit to a day of rest, but God cares that our wearied hearts and bodies and minds will rest. He cares for us. He cares about the faithfulness and trustworthiness in our relationship. That's why he says, honor your father and mother. That's why he says, don't commit adultery. That's why he says, don't bear false witness because he's a God of truth. This is not something that was just sort of made up by Moses and God and the mountain, just sort of them, you know, Drinking beers and saying, Well, how can we make the life of Israel miserable? Far from it. Theologian Kevin DeYoung again says The Ten Commandments are not instructions on how to get out of Egypt, they are rules for a free people to stay free. Did you get that? They are rules for a free people to stay free. We are only free. We have freedom when we are connected and bonded and binded to the heart and life of the living God, who himself is the freest agent in the world, isn't it? The living God is the freest. The freest. He could have done anything, and he chose to create us and all of creation, and he chose to love us. He's the freest. And as we found again and again, when we don't follow God's love and God's ways we are shackled we are chained to our own selves to our own addictions and perhaps others who are influencing us or impacting us adversely in those ways and so you and I have been set free and by following the commandments it becomes a joyous a joyous commitment because it's it comes and originates from the very heart of God, made real in the flesh and bone and blood and life of Jesus Christ. So I ask you this again, this question from Kevin DeYoung. Have you ever thought about how much better life and the world would be if everyone kept the Ten Commandments? Amen. Amen.